Hey there, welcome on inside a brand new episode of How She Did It. As always, I'm so excited that you've decided to come and join me on the show. So after this episode is over, you know what to do before you go. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. So today's guest is the host of the Memphis Grizzlies radio broadcast, pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. She also was a co-host on Grind City Media's Rise and Grind that she co-hosts, yes, with former guest on How She Did It, Megan Triplett. And before joining the Grizzlies, she worked as a weekend sports anchor for WATN-TV, the ABC affiliate in Memphis. And she also filled in as a co-host on a variety of different shows for 92.9 ESPN Radio. I am so excited for you to get to learn a little bit more about her and her story. So here is Jessica Benson. that you decided to join the show because we've been insta friends for a hot minute so this is just like even more fun I know I feel like it's like such a long time listener first time caller situation like I'm such a fan of yours and like you said I don't know you know you but yes I think it's so cool when I first I don't even remember like a couple months ago I think you interviewed my co-host for my show Megan Triplett Yes, 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 yes. And so from that point forward, I was like, oh, who is this? Oh, she's awesome. Oh, wow, this is cool. So thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel like I'm like blushing now. I feel like really <laughs> like, no, that's not a thing. Thanks for joining me. And shout out to our girl, Megan Triplett. I absolutely adore her. So jealous she's you get awesome. to work with her every day. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, before we dive into everything about you, this is about you, but I just kind of wanted to get it right off the bat clarify you're a fan of the instant mashed potato oh my gosh yes I didn't I know I know it's I very kind of died when I saw that <laughs> oh my gosh yes so okay I come from a so my mom is my best friend let me be perfectly clear like she's an incredible woman on eight million accounts not the greatest of cooks in the world and so <laughs> she first introduced me to instant mashed potatoes as a child and I can't even like meanwhile I have a grandma who is an amazing cook and would like make mashed potatoes from scratch as one does but I always forget living in the south now people are very quick on the like if you can't cook or you have some cooking hacks they're not into the instant mashed potatoes but I will stand by the instant mashed potatoes forever and always I love it they're not good for you but they're so good but they're delicious (laughs) yes exactly so like you kind of just mentioned now you live in Memphis since it's how she did it I kind of want to hit the rewind button and circle back to what first interested you in sports, maybe your your earliest memory, and then why this job? Yeah, so my interest in sports goes back to my whole life, really. My dad worked in college athletics. Um, he was a longtime conference commissioner. He retired a couple of years ago, but that's the context of the world that I grew up in. And then my mom's dad was a football coach. So it was really sports, sports, sports on all sides of the equation. I had a weird bringing in terms of like my passions were split between sports of course and I played just about everything at some point in my life and then I also loved musical theater and so there was a part of me that wanted to go the theater route I did a summer intensive program realized you know what I want to focus on the sports and the journalism side of things in college so 
I went to the University of Southern California, studied broadcast and digital journalism, and it was awesome there because they had a brand new sports minor that I was able to kind of be one of the first full classes for. And then from there, I started this job, not in Memphis. I started in the Tri-Cities, Washington, was my first uh, on-air job as a weekend sports anchor and then became the sports director there. Shout out to small markets. Uh, They teach you a lot. And then I came over to Memphis and I was a weekend sports anchor for a couple of years before, uh, gosh, how long have I been there now? I think I joined the Memphis Grizzlies like six months ago in the middle of a (laughs) pandemic. Time flies when things are a weird new situation. But yeah, so that's how I kind of got where I am today. When you talk about working in maybe a smaller market, you've worked in local TV, you've done radio. Now I feel like the position you have with Grind City Media kind of combines the visual aspect plus the radio aspect of what is this ever-evolving business. Is there a moment you kind of can look back on throughout the period of time you've had in your career this far where you really started to kind of feel yourself like growing and becoming more confident on air? Yeah, it's super weird because I feel like for some of us who work in local TV, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but the local TV side of it becomes such a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it's just, it's a very different world. And especially when you're fresh out of college, you're moving to a small market, maybe where you truly don't know anyone, you're making negative $5 and you're in a, a, a very stressful environment, to be honest. I'm fortunate enough where my partner, my fiance, he's in local news as well. And so we've always kind of been in this journey together, which is great. Um, But then it was, I think it was a year and a half ago that I had an opportunity to fill in for the local radio station in Memphis, 92.9 ESPN. And they had kind of taken a chance on me. There was uh, one of the show's hosts were taking like a week off and they were like, do you want to try it? I had never done radio jokes on them. Everyone had just kind of assumed that I had some sprinkle of radio in my past. No, but I live by the whole say yes and figure out how you're going to do it later approach to life. And so I did it and I actually loved it. And so that kind of turned into a situation where for all of their shows, anytime a host was out, I would have an opportunity to get in there and to fill in. And that was just such a cool thing because when you're in local TV, oftentimes your voice is kind of limited to honestly two and a half minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get two minutes at five, two minutes at six, two and a half at 10 if you're lucky, Um, but it's a really small space. When you have a radio show, it's like, oh shoot, I got to talk for two to three hours. And it really forces you to open up yourself. Now, how that's blended into this job with the Grizzlies in a digital show that is structured like a radio show um, but we have the on-camera element of it and video component too is really cool because it just blends all of that together so within that radio opportunity I was able to kind of like spread my wings and fly in a way that local tv just hadn't it's not that local tv was bad in any way shape or form it just didn't allow that same growth pattern no I actually wanted to ask you about that because I work in radio too I also do TV, but I feel like I really found my voice, I guess you could say, and and that consistent confidence in in doing radio. And I was wondering if, if maybe you can relate to that at all. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just, it kind of validates what you know is inside of you. And for me at least, and, and maybe for you too, getting on the radio side of things, it just 
it, it was scary because it forced mm -hmm. me to step out of my comfort zone in a way that I wasn't sure if I was prepared to or not. But then once I started, I was like, heck yeah, you're prepared to do this. Like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> and it was just such an awesome experience to just grow. And I tell everyone too, like so many people get stuck in boxes. Like I do TV, I do radio, I write. But in today's world, like you really have to do it all. And to be able to do it all is just like such an added gift and opens up all sorts of awesome opportunities. And even with this job with the Memphis Grizzlies, getting to do game day broadcast as a pregame, halftime and postgame show host. That's so cool. Like it didn't hit me how cool that was until the season started. But to be a part of that like game day atmosphere is something that I definitely always wanted to do. So to have that opportunity has been just phenomenal. So you started this new position in July. Yes. <laughs> Prior to that, I was listening to an interview you did and, and you talked about making the decision to step away from TV and not sure what you were going to do after that. How did you end up finding this job and how did you know that it was the right next step that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, it, it was a scary step, that's for sure. But it was also felt like such a a timeliness kind of deal because when the pandemic hit and I feel so fortunate that I kind of tumbled into this opportunity with the Memphis Grizzlies because I see so many people who have been affected by the pandemic and it just breaks my heart because we all work so hard mm -hmm. and our industry has been affected in so many ways during this this time period but when I was back in the spring and sports shut down I remember I, I taped my last sports cast and I had found out that I was getting moved to a morning COVID show um, that was going to, I mean, if you think back to March, the fear that we were all in trying to learn what COVID was and follow along and what you're supposed to do and how do you do homeschool and how do you take care of your mental health and everything involved with that. So my station was starting an hour long morning show. I'm not a morning person, by the way. I'm a big time <laughs> night person, even though I now host a morning show. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little ironic. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that kind of set me up for it. That was like a morning, morning show, though, where you had to be at the office by like a quarter to five. I think I technically was supposed to be there at 430, but it was it was an early life experience. And it's I was really grateful, again, to like have the flexibility to still have an opportunity to do something but in that moment I was like I'm so burnt out mm -hmm. and I've been just go 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 going and my mental health is not in the best place that it's ever been I need to take a couple of weeks and figure my stuff out and so I made the decision to leave local tv which like I said earlier it was hard because that is such a piece of your identity and being in a couple where my partner is in local TV, it was like always the cool thing that we worked for competing stations and it was fun and we played off of that. Um, but I just knew it was right for me. I took a lot of walks during that time. I became a crazy walker. I walked to Arkansas and back every day, which people I didn't know until I moved to Memphis, but Arkansas is like five miles away from Memphis and right across the Mississippi River. Um, but it was just a really good time for me to kind of like reconnect and refigure out, is this what I want to do? Is this an industry that I'm still interested in pursuing? And it was, and it continues to be, but I needed to take that time for myself. Do you feel like since you have, you know, started this new position, you've felt any like changes or made any changes to maybe the way you've 
gone about your work process. For an example, I think that there's just this like really toxic mentality in the world where it's, if you're sleeping, someone else is working. If you're not doing this, someone else is doing this and you're going to miss that opportunity. So you can never sleep and you have to go, go, go. And then eventually, like, I, I completely relate to, to you and, and feeling that burnout and being like, this cannot be sustainable if I continue at this pace. Is there any maybe changes that, that you felt like you've made going back into the business now? Yeah, for sure. And we're in such a weird time where it's not like I can capitalize on that new mentality and go travel and go see my family. But I think sometimes we think it's cool to be like, do you know how many weddings I've missed? Do you know how many birthdays I've missed? Do you know how many holidays I've missed? And we almost hold it as like this bragging standard of look at my job, look at the sacrifices that I make. And like, in the end, it's a job and your life is your life. And this whole year, I think, for everyone has been about reevaluating priorities and realizing that like, Hey, yes, your job is important. And Oh my gosh, I love my job. And I feel so fortunate to have my job, but my family and my fiance and my friends, they mean so much to me too. And there's been a certain level of neglect that I think comes with the early years of really going full gung ho into a career in sports journalism or sports media in general where sometimes that gets put on the back burner. So definitely the second I can safely take a vacation, I'm all in and I'm trying really hard to not say no to weddings that are important to me. (laughs) It's so crazy you bring that up though, because I think when you're younger and you, you know, hear people, I very vividly remember like someone in the industry coming to speak at my college and saying like, I have missed my children's parties and I've missed these things. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to miss every big moment in my life. And you kind of just become okay with that. And then I I think that this period of time has really highlighted, like, what are the priorities here? You know, what, what's most important. So I so appreciate you sharing that story. And I hope that we as like a next generation can go and speak to classes and tell people, hey, it's okay. Like you yeah. do not need, you do not need to work 20 hour days, <laughs> seven days a week in order to make it in this industry. Like sure, appreciate the hustle 100%. And all jobs require some form of sacrifice, uh, but don't make yourself miss out on things that are important to you just because the last generation said, this is how we do. We should all be striving to make things better for the next group coming up. Yeah. Jenny Busick, she's an assistant coach with the, with the Dallas Mavericks. This is just reminding me of something that, that she talked about in the difference between, you know, wanting to achieve and, and that hustle and being obsessive. And it, the line is so fine between the two, because I don't think that you realize most times that you've kind of hit that obsessive mark until you run out of gas in your tank. <laughs> like, why yeah. am I so tired? Yeah, I know. And I think for me too, like I was always a big, I was really into school. I love school. I love learning. If it didn't cost a gajillion dollars, I would go get a master's in something, but <laughs> I don't want that debt in my life right now. Um, but when you're, <laughs> when you're in school, you have the gratification of getting like a report card. And I was such a great hustler. It's annoying. But on the flip side of that, you graduate and there's no report card. Like, yes, you're, you know, rewarded with 
job performance reviews or a new job or taking that next step in your career, but it's not quite as defined in terms of someone saying, hey, good job, good for you. So you're constantly chasing that kind of like lifelong, we're all taught to keep going until someone says, hey, you're doing a really great job. And in the real world, that's just not always the case. And I think that that's where it, it just kind of like over time, right? It doesn't happen overnight, but you just have to be comfortable at your core of knowing like, I did my best. It it ain't always pretty. <laughs> it didn't always look how yeah. I imagined, but that that recognition aspect it can just linger. Don't always get it. So that that sense of peace has to come from somewhere else. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes to like just being so confident in who you are and comfortable yeah. with who you are. And that doesn't mean that you're there all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's something I've really learned this year. Like when I first started doing the radio shows last year, I felt like I really reached a peak in my life of being so confident and so comfortable in my voice and doing things my way. And it felt great. I was like, I have made it. I am 27 (laughs) years old and like, this is it. And then, you know, through a pandemic and through starting a new job in a pandemic, you kind of taper off every now and then, and you get back to those insecurities that maybe have plagued you along the way. And now you're like fighting back and trying to work back up to achieve that same level of meanness because each of us the only thing we can give to this world and this industry is like the uniqueness that each of us bring forth so I think that's kind of the the key to happiness now it's not easy but we can all try (laughs) (laughs) not that you ever want to imitate someone else right but I think you can learn a lot from Mm. from watching others and and the people around you is there anyone in particular that you look to in this business as sort of that that influence? Yeah. So I've been learning. I feel like all of us women in sports, we grab on to anyone and everyone, especially as a young person, like Robin Roberts was the jam growing up and loved her so much. Leslie Visser. I remember the first time I saw her reporting. Um, And then as I got older, Michelle Beadle, when she was on Sports Nation and those early days, just the fun of that show and the fun that she brought to sports coverage that kind of started something for me. And then now Katie Nolan has gone and taken that rope and run with it. And then recently, sorry, this is a long, long list. There's just so many people I love. Yes. Um, But now it's like Nina Kimes is if I, if I had an opportunity to interview Mina Kimes, I think I would fangirl to the point of like not being professional because I think <laughs> she's so cool and she's so smart and she is like represents some of the best in sports media right now. So that's kind of a nice collective group there. So I don't, I don't know if you know this. I, I've had her on this podcast. Yeah, I yeah. saw it on the list. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but so talk about, you know, embarrassing moments. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Cause at the end of her podcast, you know, she asks her guests a question as her dog. <laughs> like, I'm going to ask her a question as my cat and have her answer as her dog. And for some reason, you know, I've just always imagined my cat to have like a British accent. So here's me oh. talking in a British accent. She's like, I didn't know your cat was British. <laughs> like, you know what? Now she is now she's, but it's that kind of like, fun weirdness that we so often like feel like we have to hide but that's awesome like totally that's fantastic I and I I think that that's like you know you have those people where you feel like they're really just truly being 
themselves. Yeah. Those are the people that I gravitate to most, especially, you know, outside of that realm. I think someone like SVP. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I tried to like list all women, but oh my God, if I could be SVP and have that job, (laughs) like that's the version of sports center that I would want to host, but then that'd be weird because that's his version of sports center, but right. But yeah, you've got your own, you've got your own takes on it. I'm not tired. No. Yeah, that's my entire. Oh, do it again! Do it again! <laughs> no, no, it's a one. It's a one-hit wonder. It's a one-hit wonder. Yes. Now I got you to sing on the show. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't start asking me for British accents because they'll come out randomly. So. Oh, okay. Well, as we continue the episode, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Good okay. times. <laughs> uh, okay. So this little game that I created today is kind of just like a little mosh posh. Okay. Of um a few different questions so we can get to know you a little bit better. So this is always a tough one, but I have to ask, is there a favorite interview or broadcasting moment that you feel like is, is your top, wow, if I could do that again, or I can't believe that actually happened? Oh, that's a a very hard question. And I'm going to have to throw it back to my intern days because I had the opportunity to intern for the Olympics in London back in 2012 when I was still a student. That's where I actually met my fiance. Um, He went to Syracuse, I went to USC. He went to Syracuse, I went to USC. We met as interns at the Olympics. We had a little summer fling and then a year later ended up kind of rekindling out of final four Syracuse was in the final four and I was there in Atlanta and the rest is history we've been together for eight years but my my dream the reason I say that is because I would love to cover an Olympics Mm -hmm. and I feel like that would be kind of like the mecca especially because it means so much personally to me now if he could cover it too that would just be like icing on the cake so we could do that together yes oh please we would love that is that something that you feel like in the future or or even now that like you are taking steps to work towards? It's always weird. The Olympics feels like such an, because it only comes around and knock on wood, we hope it comes around this summer in Tokyo. um, And we haven't had it now, but it it always feels like something that is almost an impossible dream because it's weird because there's so many people though. Like the the team that NBC assembles is like the all-star team of coverage and it's people from all different sometimes all different networks it's not like mm-hmm. they necessarily have to work at NBC shout out to those agents who pull off those incredible yeah, I like, crossover like that contracts. I don't that's my point I don't either so I would love to say that I'm actively taking steps to get there but I don't know what that is other than me coming on a podcast and saying yo I really want to work for the Olympics someday so if you hear that uh hook me up I can learn at, remember how I said like say yes and figure it out later yeah. I'll cover anything you want me to cover archery you got it like I'll do whatever is necessary <laughs> oh my gosh this is like your pitch this is your elevator there you pitch. go there you go I love it. I'll do whatever. I love to travel. It's so funny. I, I truly don't know how, like, I I don't have an agent currently and I'm obviously not qualified to be an agent. So I don't know how that crossover works. And I'm always like, how do they do that? I know because it feels like everything always feels so siloed off. Like so-and-so works here and -and (laughs) so-and-so works there and it's the competition. And then randomly you'll see someone be like, how are they doing everything? Yeah. That's, that's the goal. That's so. you, girl. 
Mm-hmm. That and oh, and oh, I should have a final four. That's my other okay. bucket list would be to do a final four. Amazing. And you know, very, very realistic goals here. Someday, someday. <laughs> we love a hopeful attitude. Okay. That's all this life is hope. <laughs> We're all just living on hope. <laughs> Someone you would thank. Maybe they've helped you. Maybe you, maybe you're like, they give me a compliment and I, I really want to shout them out. Oh, I'm going to go super sappy and I got to, oh, this is hard. There's always a competition between my mom and my fiance, <laughs> but, and my dad, oh, I, have two, I have two wildly two. supportive parents. Just kidding. I know, but what I will say, <laughs> I will say, I just would thank my mom and I thank her all the time because mm-hmm. first of all, this is a woman who she has not missed a single one of my shows since I started because when I worked for local news, she couldn't watch because we didn't have a working app where they streamed the newscast and it always just totally bummed her out. So when I moved over to the Grizzlies, she said, I am never missing a show and she hasn't. And that includes our rise and grind show on grind city media and every Grizzlies broadcast so far. And she's not a huge NBA person. So she's had to become an NBA person, but I'm just so thankful to her because she really, while my dad worked in sports, my mom was the one sitting with me in press boxes and at games and teaching me and telling me, you know, the rules and the players and the coaches and the stories and like being able to hook onto that at a young age when you're so easily influenced. I just thought it was so cool that she could always hold her own in a conversation. And that inspired me to be able to hold my own in conversations for a career now. And I'm just eternally grateful for that. So there's a ton of people to thank along the way, but she's my number one. Yeah. But I feel like I'm kind of tearing up after this story. So shout out mama Benson. Shout out mom. Sharon, (laughs) you're the real MVP. Yes, Sharon. (laughs) Okay. Something about you completely unrelated to your job. I kind of mentioned it, but I'm obsessed with musical theater, like next level obsession. I probably know more about Broadway musicals than I do about sports. Like What's I your feel favorite Broadway musical? That. Uh, my favorite show of all time is A Chorus Line. Just, it was, God, I'm going to sound like my mom and I do everything together, which we do, but like it was my mom's favorite show and then she made it my favorite show. We used to like listen to the cassette tape in the car. That was like the first show that I remember like really attaching to. Um, so that's kind of my, my all time old school show but during this pandemic that's been one of the hardest things because sports have come back Mm -hmm. uh, but Broadway hasn't and like we had tickets to go see a show last October that we had to eat and never ended up happening and now trying to like look forward to something coming back knock on wood hopefully next fall but obviously want everyone to be as safe as possible before we get back in there but I listen I am I am a full nerd like I listen to the Broadway channel on Sirius XM in the car and that's probably my number one station. I know you talked about, you know, your, your dad working in sports and, and going to those events, but where did that love of musical theater come from? Uh, my mom loved theater. And so we okay. had theater, we had like season tickets in Denver growing up. Oh. And then luckily, like the really cool thing about my dad's job is it, it gave me like a great amount of privilege growing up to be able to travel to a bunch of different things. Because when he had meetings, it was like, all right, we're going with my dad to meetings or a game or a conference or whatever situation required him to travel. Oftentimes we kind of tagged along. And luckily New York was one of those locations that 
we went to, you know, once a year and it would always be a matter of seeing a show. My first show was Lamb Chops on Broadway with Sherry Lee Lewis. And my mom coins, I don't remember, but apparently we sat like a couple rows behind Katie Couric and that was a highlight for her. Oh! <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I just say, it. I don't know. I didn't know who Katie Couric was. I was like three. That's okay. It still makes for a good story. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I would tell, I would totally tell her if we, uh, yes. if we ever ran into each other, we've been looking for a poster. Like you cannot find a poster of this musical anywhere. <laughs> we've been looking for decades. So maybe Katie Couric could hook us up. Yeah. Okay. I like it. She, I don't know. I can't speak for her, but I feel like she's probably like got the hookup. Maybe. Know? I feel like she's, maybe she listens to the pod. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> never know. What? I guess we don't know. Like, you never know. No, it can't be. It can't be. <laughs> okay biggest challenge you feel like you faced up to this point I feel like I always give the same answer on this so I'm gonna switch it up because I always say like not comparing your journey to other people's journeys which is such a cliche but it's so true so don't get me wrong everyone listening don't do that don't compare your journey to someone else's because it's not productive for anyone involved but (laughs) I would say and this is something that I've been working on with my therapist, even like going back, also get a therapist. If you're in this business, it will help you tremendously. Um, Trying to turn hard and maybe even negative situations, focusing in the moment that they're truly a learning experience. So rather than getting so bogged down in a bad situation or, you know, I think all of us at some point are going to face even like a toxic work situation in different ways, shapes or form. And that can be so suffocating in a lot of ways. But if you can really focus on the fact that you're learning through every single second of that situation, you're learning to be a better communicator. Maybe you're learning to stand up for yourself. You're learning how to fight through adversity. And if you can really focus on that, then you can grasp onto the fact that like, this is truly making you a better person. And it's truly going to set you up for, you know, your next opportunity where you're going to be prepared to deal with curveballs in a way that you weren't before you kind of faced a tough time. So I think that's really important. And then like, once you get through those tough times, boy, move on. Do not let them kind of sit in your brain and still affect you in a way um, that takes you away from the now and all the good stuff you got going on. You don't need to make yourself smaller to make everyone else around you feel better. Yes, my agent always says everybody eats. <laughs> everybody when the table eats. is big enough. Yes. When the table is big enough. Everyone can eat. Thank you for for sharing that answer and and one that you know was different than than answers you've shared to that question in the past. Yeah, I always try. Sometimes when you start getting the same answers over and over again, you're like, I gotta shake this up. I totally, and it, it kind of forces you to think a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. what else? Was that your cat? Yes. Meow. <laughs> he just will sit outside the door and scream. Aww. I was hoping we've made it very far throughout this episode. We've made What's it that work from home life. Okay. His name is West. I have another Aww. cat named Bowie. Oh. And then I have two dogs. You have a whole, whole little situation. Zoo. My little zoo. <laughs> That's amazing. We um my fiance and I we watch dogs and cats and bearded dragons and we, we kind of started like I them. It's hard. So we actually watched a dog last <laughs> month for like 30 days. 
because his mom, his mom, his owner, oh, his, his, job, mom. his mom, yeah, um, had a job where she had to be on training for a month. And she was like, hey, can you watch my dog? We fell in love with that dog. Mm -hmm. And like, we follow him on Instagram now. And <laughs> hopefully we'll see him again sometime soon. But yeah, that's the, the side hustle life is the life for me. Girl, I feel that. Is that something that you're doing now to kind of like be able to work in media how we were kind of talking about you gotta you gotta grind rise and grind not to <laughs> yes I uh, yes rise and grind always throwing that <laughs> you gotta get that trademarked um so that it means something through the through the world yeah we originally it used to be a thing of necessity um, mm -hmm. because local tv does not pay the big bucks especially really? early on in your life and we're fortunate enough to be a little bit more comfortable now but once you kind of get that satisfaction of having a little bit of a side hustle and getting that cash we're currently trying to plan for a wedding and pay for said wedding yeah so we were like this is not the time to stop the side hustle so I don't know if we ever will either because it's it's kind of like rounded us out in terms <laughs> of giving us something else and there's something so fun about watching someone else's pet that you know you don't have to take on the full responsibility yeah um, even though it's a huge responsibility while you have them but it's not like you have to pay their vet bills or pay for their food mm -hmm. and all those extra <laughs> things you just get to play with them I just think that's so cool because you know I think it's really easy to just think that like everyone just does their one single job and that's all they do yeah. but there's like all of these things going on behind the scenes in people's lives that they do in addition to to what we see on the internet so yeah and I think it is important to like I always try to be really open about it and, totally. and we are still open about it because people should know like this business isn't always sunshine and rainbows and like big paychecks and yeah. it takes a long time I mean we both made in our first jobs $20,000 a year and that was our salary and that and that's just what you did and I'm not saying that's right by any means I would love for you know local tv stations and small markets and whatnot to kind of come up with the times and raise those beginning wages but in the meantime when that's what you're facing you got to figure out how to make it work um, but I also think it's always important to be real with people because I would never want someone to misinterpret what the start of this industry is like and I think on top of that too, like, you know, I think back to working, I mean, I still work different jobs, but yeah, it's easy to feel like no one else in this business has had to do that mm -hmm. because you don't see that. Right. And so then I think back to these moments where I'm like, why am I such a failure? Like, why am I failing? Because I can't sustain on this one single, uh, job and, and income. And then you start talking to people and it's like, oh no, I had to do this, this, and this, and this, and yeah. I was doing that to get experience to do this. And all of a sudden the story is not unique. I just mm. think that we don't hear about it as, as much as we should. So girl, like you're just and, sharing and all the keys today. <laughs> and it should be appreciated. Like you hustle your really? butt off. Like I see your, I'm no, you do on Instagram. No, you do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but we should all be like, so give each other our flowers, not just for what we do in the industry, but just for making it, man, for making yeah. it work. We all find a way. We're all just trying, right? Yes. Okay. We're almost done. I swear. Okay. I know this is fun. <laughs> this is so fun. Okay. We've got a couple fan questions. 
then you're piecing out. Okay. So first okay. up is from Sarah. They say advice for those about to graduate from college. I go back to the versatility factor. Mm-hmm. Make yourself able to do everything. If I could code, I would code. I'm too old. I'm not that old. I should get off my butt and like really learn how to do some of that kind of stuff. Because I just think the more you can do, the more you can fit within whatever structure a company is looking to fill. So whether that be TV, radio, digital, be able to shoot, be able to edit, be able to write, be able to succeed on social media, which it all sounds quite exhausting and you certainly don't have to do everything, but figure out the things that like you're passionate about and then figure out how that they can apply to different jobs. I will say, I do have one weird piece of advice that I always give. And I see this with a lot of people graduating who want to work in sports. And this can really be a two-sided coin. So like my word is not the gospel, but if you want to work in sports, work in sports, especially when it comes to local news, because you'll find situations where it's like, oh, you're a news reporter, but maybe you'll get to do a sports story. No, you get confirmation in that, write it in that contract that says, you get to do the sports stories. Make sure that you're fighting for yourself because this industry is too hard to do something, especially long-term, that you're not really passionate about. Period. 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 <laughs> Tay says, best advice you've ever gotten. I don't know. You just gave some hot advice, but what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Just to be as real as possible, which is so much easier said than done (laughs) especially when you're in an industry that oftentimes will make you feel like you have to fit into different molds Mm -hmm. to be accepted god when I first started in my first market they made me chop off my hair because they said I looked too young and they thought that by me cutting my hair I was magically going to go from looking like a 16 year old to a 40 year old but then I just looked like a 16 year old boy so it did no one any good <laughs> some people can pull off that look don't get me wrong I'm just not one of them <laughs> and but I wish and when you're young it's hard to stand up to things like that yeah. but I wish I'd been like yeah like I love my long hair I love you know what wearing what I want to wear. I wear sneakers with dresses. Don't tell me to wear heels. Those are little, like very um, superficial things. But then down to the core, just talk like how you talk. Be who you are when you're at home. Maybe don't throw out the British accent. People might think you're super weird, but like, if you want to sing, singing. No, that was was shade to me because I will throw out the British accent. And sometimes I will, no. sometimes I will go a little too far sometimes, but I would rather go too far in the authentic direction yeah, in your than past. too yeah. far back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shade involved at all. I will just continue. Well, thank to you so much. Out. You're so kind. You're so kind. <laughs> so kind. Oh. Wow. Love this podcast. Oh, we're such fans of each other. <laughs> no, I feel like we're going from Instagram friends to friends, and I really like this moment. No, I like. I'm so happy you said that because it's the same. <laughs> Great, I'm glad we're on the same page, or it would be really awkward. So, yeah, I'm with you, girl. Um, I like to end the show by asking this question because okay. I think it's important to give yourself a pat on the back in a world that's easy to just forget your little accomplishments. So, what is something you are proud of yourself for? I am proud. Oh, we never do this. You're right. 
we don't do this enough in our in our job um shoot I am just proud that I am still doing this because I feel like along the way there are a lot of opportunities to say you know what I'm gonna go do something a little easier and maybe not even easier is not the right word but more traditional and something that doesn't take quite the sacrifice or doesn't take the ups and downs like by going into sports media we put ourselves out there in a way that someone at a nine to five desk job doesn't necessarily have to we give a piece of our souls through our job and it's so subjective that you're also running the risk of being criticized or being taken down and I don't I don't take that lightly um so I'm really proud that I have fought through those urges to do something else and at this point in time like I'm living my dream that's so cool I always wanted to be a a sports host a sports reporter to do a show that talks about sports and pop culture and I can sometimes talk about theater a little bit like they're not super down but I'll throw it in there when I can um that's just that's awesome and I'm really proud of that I am so happy that you said yes to coming on the show. It's been so fun getting to know you a little bit better. And I can't thank you enough for, for your openness and joining me today. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Yay! Guys, thanks for listening. For Jessica Benson, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. <laughs> Cheerio! Cheerio! Pit, pit. <laughs>